Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? All right. Good morning, Emmanuel CRC. Good morning. Great. It's great to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, Brandon, you're only 15 pounds lighter than the last time when we first met. I am a nice Texas 30 pounds uh, heavier. So, good food in Texas and in Houston. It's great to be with you this morning. My, as Brandon said, my name is John Nagegi. I'm originally from Nigeria, uh, but I've lived in the U.S. for about 16 years, eight years in Grand Rapids, and another eight years now in Houston, Texas. I've been here in California for about 10 days. I was speaking at high camp, so lots of energy. This is a different kind of setting, so I'm glad that the energy level has come down a little bit, but it's good to be here uh, sharing God's Word with you. And if you would like to hear a little more about just what I do and, and my family and ministry, uh, please join us after the service. I'll be sharing uh, just a little more with you uh, about that. So, But today and this morning, we are here to listen to God speak to us through His Word. Uh, so please join me as we pray, and then we will get started. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. pray that you would break us and mold us and melt us and shape us into whatever it is that you want us to be. We surrender our lives to you, surrender our wills to you, and we pray that through your word that is sharper than any double-edged sword, we might receive blessings for today and for tomorrow. God, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness to us. What a privilege and what an honor it is for us to, to worship you and to be called your children. Be with us as we study your word. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, today we will be reading from the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 4. John chapter 4, from verse 1 through 30. Uh, because it's such a long um, passage, what we're going to do this morning, if you give me permission to, is we'll break it up into a couple different sections. So for our time of reading together, when we stand to read together, I'll only read the first nine verses of John chapter 4, 1 through 30, and then we'll continue reading the passage as the message goes along. So John chapter 4, from verse 1 through verse 30. And that's on page 1651 in your Q Bibles. Page 1651. So if you are able to this morning, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. And we'll read John chapter 4 from verse 1 through 9. Here's what it says. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back one more, once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, 
And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now, do I have your permission to move around? I don't know. Is, is, is it okay if I move around? All right. I'm not, I'm not very used to uh, standing behind the pulpit, so I will come back here to glance at my notes, but I, I do want to move around and, and connect with you. Maybe not as much as I did during high camp, but at least want to move around a little bit. So, uh, living water. Living water, that is our theme for today. And just this idea of Jesus Christ as living water. Living water that is refreshing to us, refreshing to our lives, refreshing to our souls. But just so we're on the same page, uh, let's do a little question and answer about a few things that we saw in those first nine verses. Are you guys with me? Can I get some participation? Alright, so let's go to the next slide and, and answer some of those questions. So the first question I want to ask is, as we read through this passage, where was Jesus traveling from? And where was he traveling to? Ju- yeah, you got it. Judea to Galilee. Okay. Second question. How was Jesus feeling? Tired. Tired, right? Tired. And then there's a lot, uh, another line in there that talks about food, right? His disciples had gone to buy food, so he was probably feeling hungry as well. So hungry and tired. Now, what time of day was it? What time of day are we kind of... The sixth hour, what's the equivalent in our, our numbering system? About noon. Who said that? So smart. Goodness. I'm going to give you a bag of almonds after this. <laughs> it's almonds, right? Or is it almonds? <laughs> All right, and then our last question. What did Jesus ask the Samaritan woman for? For a drink, Right? Alright, so that sets the scene for where we are entering in our story today. Jesus Christ is traveling from Judea to Galilee, and Jesus Christ is tired, right? His humanity comes out here, he's tired and he's thirsty, and so he rests by this well and sends his disciples away into the town to buy something for him to eat. It's about noon, so high noon, the sun is high, the sun is up, it's very, very hot there. And Jesus asks this Samaritan woman who comes to the well for a drink. So I love uh, different paintings of this interaction, but there's one particular painting that I love, and it's by an African artist who paints this scene. I like it because it reminds me of where I grew up a little bit, right? You know, you have a little bit of the well, you have Jesus and the Samaritan woman, there's the village in the background, but it's high noon. And most people who are smarter than me have said that people don't go to the well at high noon, right? Because it's hot, the sun is shining bright. Typically, people go to fetch water early in the morning or late in the evening because it's cooler at those times. 
So the rest of the village is in the village, and this woman is coming to this well to fetch water at high noon. And there she is, and she meets Jesus Christ. She meets Jesus Christ by this well, and Jesus begins to have a conversation with her. Now, there are many, many reasons why this, as seemingly innocuous as it is to us, it seems very, very, you know, he was just having a conversation with her. But there are certain things that are happening here. The woman says to Jesus, remember, as he's having this conversation with her, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? You see, because the woman knows that it is not common for Jewish men to have conversations with even Jewish women who are not their wives. But here Jesus is, a person who cannot be much different than her. He is a man and he is Jewish. And here she is, a woman and a Samaritan. And this man is acknowledging her presence, acknowledging who she is, having a theological conversation with her really leaning into his needs and asking this woman, a hated Samaritan woman, to fulfill those needs. So she's surprised. She's surprised by this man who is leaning in and really seeing her humanity. And so she asks, how is it that you, a Jew, could ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Now, here's a story about the Samaritans. The Samaritans were people who were resettled after exile of the Jewish people, right? The king of Assyria had kind of brought a couple people from his kingdom back to Israel to settle in the land. So people who were not Israelites had come back to settle in the land. And those people had intermarried with those who had been left in the land of Israel after exile. And the people that you get from those mixed marriages, those are who the Samaritans were. And of course, people who were Jewish didn't like the Samaritans because after the intermarriage, there was also a mixing of religions. And so folks who were Jewish felt like Samaritans didn't practice true religion. They didn't follow the true God. And so the Jews hated the Samaritans. So much so that people even started to say, don't even touch anything that a Samaritan has touched before. That is why this request from Jesus is very, very odd when he is asking, will you please give me a drink? See, both Jesus and the Samaritan woman know this history. They know this history of hostility between their people. But Jesus humanizes her, and he sees in her a person who is in need of a Savior. And he's willing to do whatever it takes, even humbling himself and receiving from the woman. The situation and the relationship between the Samaritans and Jews was so bad uh, that there's actually a map that shows how people who were Jewish traveled to get to Galilee. What's the easiest way to get to Galilee? Just go straight up, right? But the Jews and the Samaritans were so much in hostility that the Jews would rather travel all the way around Samaria to get to Galilee. That's how bad it was. But Jesus doesn't care about that history, doesn't care about that hostility. He sees in front of him a person who is in need of living water. He sees in front of him a person 
who is human like him. And Jesus reaches out to her. And in this unlikely interaction between a Jewish male and a Samaritan woman, Jesus chooses to take on the form of a servant. He's not in there flexing his muscles as a Jew. He takes the form of a servant. He humanizes the woman and humbles himself and chooses to receive from her, but also opens up a window to offer her what she truly needs. Jesus Christ offers this woman attention. He shows her that she can be seen. Now, what is it about the woman coming to the well at noon? Well, I've heard people say that she doesn't want to be seen because fetching water in my culture, but also in those ancient cultures, is a communal activity. People don't usually go to fetch water alone because once you go to fetch water, you have a jar, and once that jar is heavy, you need somebody to help put that jar on your shoulder or on your head where you carry it back home. But fetching water is also just its things that people like to do together. They like to go to the well together because you're traveling and you're safer on the path. So this woman has a past, and we don't really know exactly what it is. But there's something that she doesn't want other people to know. There are things in her life that cause her shame and guilt and difficulty interacting with other people. And so she goes at high noon when there's nobody else at the well. And there she finds Jesus Christ, who humanizes her and who starts this conversation with her. So as we move on in our story, in verse 13, here's what Jesus says to the woman. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. You see, Jesus has just told this woman about himself, that he is the gift of God, living water for this woman's life and the lives of all other people. And so she looks and she says, well, what kind of person comes to a well without a way to draw their own water? And so she pushes back on Jesus a little bit and asks him, hey, you don't have anything to draw water with. How are you expecting to get any water from this well? And Jesus' response to her is to tell her about himself, the living water, the gift of God, and to share with her that everyone who drinks of this water will never be thirsty again. The water underneath the well, it has the potential of drying up. The water in the well does not satisfy for eternity. But Jesus says about himself, I am living water, the gift of God, and whoever drinks of this living water will never thirst again. Never thirst again. And so the woman's ears kind of perk up, right? Because living water, hey, that sounds good. Water that doesn't run dry, water that you can drink and never get thirsty again. But Jesus isn't just talking about, he says, Indeed, water I give will become in people a water welling up to eternal life, a spring of living water that wells up to eternal life. So he's not just talking about like water that you drink and you never get thirsty again. Jesus is talking about himself. 
and the power that he gives his followers in the spirit so that they can be people who have a spring of water that wells up into eternal life. Eternal and abundant lives in their souls, in the souls of their friends and family, in the world around them, and in relationships between people and God. Eternal life that is abundant is what we find in Jesus Christ. So at this point, the woman is getting really excited, right? She's getting excited about this water, and she says, Sir, give me this water so I don't have to get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus says, Go call your husband and come back. And she replies, I have no husband. Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. You see, in that statement, the woman is not just seeking water that never runs dry in the physical sense. She knows the shame of having to come and draw water by herself. She knows the shame of not having family and a support system. And so she is tired Tired of that daily walk to the well on her own. Tired of that feeling of shame. Tired of feeling lonely. And so the trip to the well is not just a trip to grab water for her household. The trip to the well is something that reminds her daily of her brokenness, of her need, of her pain, of her loneliness. And she is tired, so this sense of having living water, so she can never ever have to come back to the well to draw, sounds really promising. Give me this water, so I will never thirst again, so I don't have to keep walking this path of shame. I don't want to keep coming to this well by myself. And Jesus' response to her is very odd, right? You would think after she asked for living water, he would have something to say to her about water, right? But instead, he asked her, go call your husband and come back. Go call your husband and come back. And the woman replies, I, I have no husband. Right? I have no husband. That's because Jesus sees that deeper need that the woman has. A deeper need for connection. A deeper need for intimacy. Jesus sees the pain that is behind that woman's request for living water. She doesn't want to keep coming back because now she's a person who has no husband and in that society that means she's a person who is vulnerable economically, she's vulnerable physically, she's vulnerable socially. And Jesus asks, where is your husband? You see, he sees beyond the woman's earthly needs and shows her eternal needs that can be satisfied only in Him. Her vulnerability, her shame, can be covered in the person of Jesus Christ, who is living water. Her need for protection will be covered in Jesus Christ as He brings a community of people whose hearts He's changing to care for this woman as they care for their own. She can find living water in Jesus. Jesus sees beyond her earthly needs and points her to the spiritual need that she has, which is for living water, for eternal life that can only be found in Him. Living water that can only be found in Him.
So let me ask us this question. What are those earthly needs that you have? Earthly needs that you feel are ultimate, but that are only cravings for a deeper spiritual need. What are those earthly needs that we chase after and that we keep asking Jesus, Jesus, fill this earthly need. But Jesus wants to show us that there is a deeper spiritual need behind that earthly need that only He can satisfy. Maybe it's an earthly need for money, the security of having enough money for our friends and family to enjoy this life. And Jesus shows us that there's a deeper spiritual longing that we have that only He can supply. There's a deeper rich, uh, richness and riches that we're looking for that only Jesus can supply. Maybe the earthly need is searching for status and significance. And Jesus Christ is showing us beyond those earthly needs that there's a deeper spiritual need that only He can satisfy. Only He can give our lives purpose beyond this world. Jesus, the living water that points us beyond our earthly needs to the deeper spiritual needs that only He can fill. What is that need for you? Think about it. What is that need for you? So Jesus goes on in our story. After seeing beyond the woman's earthly needs, they start to have this theological conversation about worship. Right? They start to talk about worship. And I love how Jesus engages her. Because again, this is another departure from his culture. Not only is he having a conversation with this Samaritan woman, he's actually engaging her in a theological conversation as well. He's seeing beyond the exterior and he's saying there's something in this woman that God has put. God has set eternity in her heart and I want to engage her in a way that humanizes her but also in a way that helps her to see the God of the universe and to see that worship, worshiping God is something that even she, a hated Samaritan woman, has been called to do. So they have this conversation back and forth about worship. Where is the right place to worship? Is it on the mountain? Is it in the temple? Samaritans and Jews had different views of that. But Jesus answers her questioning with this word. Yet the time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. Worship in spirit and in truth. As she is having this theological debate with Jesus and trying to convince him that the mountain is the right place to worship or the Jews have it wrong because they think the temple is the right place to worship, Jesus comes in to her, listens to her, engages her in conversation, and then gives her this answer about worship, this deep theological treatise about worship, where he says to her, Worship is not about where you worship. True worship of the living God is about who you worship and it's about how you worship. It's not about spaces and places. It's not about whether if it's in the place that the Samaritans have created or the place that the Jews have created. Jesus says that true worship 
is about giving all honor and praise and glory to the Father. And true worship is about being grounded on the validity and the life that we get in the Word of God. That is what true worship is. Worship of the Father. God the Father. And true worship is worship that is done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Worshiping the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Wherever you do that, in your car, in the shower, on the field, worshiping God in a way that is true because you are worshiping the Father of all, but you're also worshiping in the power of the Holy Spirit that is based on the Word of God. The Scriptures guiding our worship, pointing us to the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit, refreshed by Jesus Christ the Son, with our eyes fixed on Him. That is true worship. Jesus has that conversation with the woman and tells her that that is what worship is. So he goes on. After having that interaction with the woman, he shows her what worship is and calls her to a life to follow him. So the woman, you know, at this point, she's like, okay, this is, this is an interesting dude I'm having this conversation with, right? Like, he's answering my questions, he's, like, really engaging, and everything he's saying is just, like, something out of this world, like something I've never heard in my life before. He's pointing me to God in a way that I've never experienced, in a way that seems so real and seems so refreshing, right? Just like living water. And so she starts to kind of guess, right? She's like, okay, dude, I think uh, you might be a prophet, right? Because um, you seem pretty sharp. You've got the right answers, right? She's asking Jesus these questions. And she starts to talk about the Messiah. The Messiah called Christ is coming because she's like, as sharp as your answers are, Jesus, um, I'm a little confused about some points, but I know that the Messiah is coming. And when the Messiah comes, yeah, you know, like the Messiah will explain everything to you and explain everything to me and we'll all be good, right? And Jesus declares to her in very, very simple words, I, the one speaking to you, am he. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. The same words Jesus speaks to us this morning and every time that we worship him. I, the one speaking to you, am he. See, the woman had been waiting, like all other people from her place, waiting for the Messiah to come. Waiting for the one who was going to liberate the people from their sins, but also liberate them from captivity. She had been waiting and longing and hoping. And Jesus says, I, the one sitting in front of you, am the embodiment of all your longing and all your waiting and all your hope. I, the one who is speaking to you now, am he. Will you listen to the voice of Jesus when Jesus is calling to you? And saying to you, you cannot find refreshing in other places. 
You will not find saving grace in other places. You will not find the anointed one of God who brings you back into relationship with God and other people because I, the one speaking to you, am He. That is who Jesus Christ is. The Messiah, the anointed one of God, the Holy One of Israel, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of our world, the bread of life, living water for our souls. Jesus, the one who speaks to you through Scripture. Jesus, the one who speaks to you through songs and hymns. Jesus, the one who speaks to you through your children as out of the mouth of babes come worship and praise to God. I, the one who speaks to you, am He. When Jesus speaks, will you hear His voice? And when He says that I am the one that you've been waiting for, will you believe Him? Whether if it's today that's your first time doing that, or if you believe for a while but you just need refreshing like that water, will you hear it again and again and believe that the same Jesus who spoke to you when you received him into your life and decided to follow him is the same Jesus who continues to speak to you every day, giving you refreshing, giving you water for the life of this journey so that you never get weak or tired or weary because your eyes are fixed on him. I, the one speaking to you, am he. Jesus is the Messiah. Nobody else is. Nothing else in this world is. Only Jesus is the Messiah. Now when Jesus speaks to us and we listen to his voice, radical changes start to occur in our lives. And we see that in the woman's life in verse 29. It says she goes out into the village and she says to everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Now remember, this is a woman who has gone out of her way so many times. Every single day she goes to fetch water. Out of her way to make sure that she is avoiding the people of her village. But once she encounters Jesus Christ, the living water, the first thing that she does is run back to everyone that she had been avoiding before. Run back to those places where she had experienced shame and say, Come, I think I have found the Messiah. Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done and did not judge me. Come and see a man who has told me about not my one husband that I've left, but the five that I've left and the shame around that. Come and see this man who saw everything about who I was. And instead of giving me shame and guilt, gave me grace and eternal life. Come and see this man. Could this be the Messiah, the chosen one, the living water, the one and the wellspring that we drink from so we can never thirst again. Come and see this man. The gospel of Jesus Christ that gives us grace always leads us out to action. And in this woman's case, it led her to the place where she had been avoiding for a long, long time. 
to carry the good news of Jesus Christ to other people and to say, I have found living water, and you should too. Come with me. Could this be the Messiah? And the town came out and made their way towards him. That is the purpose of our stories. When we tell people the stories about how we met Jesus Christ, and how Jesus Christ, in a dry and thirsty land, has given us living water so that we never thirst again, we reach out to them and say, Come, come with us. We are beggars who have found bread. We are thirsty people who have found living water. And we need to share that with you. Come and find the water that will quench your eternal thirst. Come and find the water that will refresh your soul. Come and find Jesus. And cease your striving. Come and find Jesus. And find water that washes the stains off your soul. Come and find Jesus. And find water that refreshes and makes things to grow. Come and find Jesus and never thirst again. So I'll just put the last slide up. And I want you to think for a few minutes about how Jesus Christ can be living water to you this week. And living water to your friends and to your family. What are the places in your life where your soul needs refreshing? What are the places in your life where your body needs cleansing? Come to Jesus, the living water, and you will never thirst again. Because by the power of His Spirit, He will keep you, and He will guide you, He will refresh you. Whatever life throws your way, Come to Jesus, the living water sent to us from God to refresh our souls and to cleanse us from our sins. As the